I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. What's up, everyone? I'm Noah Daniels. This is another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. And on this episode, we actually have a guest host. You guys remember Sarah. She's been here for a couple episodes. She's going to help us interview Meg. And Meg is somebody that I found on TikTok and Instagram. She is a nurse and has worked in some pretty cool places and had some spooky haunting experiences. Meg, how are you doing tonight? I am fantastic. Thank you. This is so cool. No, thank you for coming on. And Sarah, how are you doing? Great. Happy to be back. Awesome. Sounds like it. Um, (laughs) So Meg, usually how we kind of start the podcast, we want to find out where our guest is kind of on their supernatural meter, meaning zero, you don't believe in ghosts Mm -hmm. at all. 10, meaning ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you kind of fall on that scale? Hmm. I mean, I would say I'm definitely more than a five. Like I definitely lean towards that side. How about eight? I'm going to go with eight. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty strong. I think for most of us, when we started this podcast, since we are skeptics, we were like probably at like a one or a two. JJ and Kat, who will be back for the next episode. JJ is our, I would say, most hardcore skeptic. And even he at this point is like about a four and a half, five, a six, kind of depending on the episode, really, for all of Uh us. So yeah, I mean, after doing so many of these and hearing so many stories, it's getting to a point where it's hard for us just to straight up you know, refute 
hey, this can't be real because we do get to, you know, especially over Zoom, you can see the person interact with them and we kind of get a vibe for our guests. And really, for the most part, everybody feels like they're being honest about their experiences. So it's, it's been kind of fun to go on that journey. And uh, we're excited to hear your story. So can you give us a little bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Meg. I have been a nurse for 10 years. And a couple years ago, I just needed like a creative outlet. I felt like healthcare was sucking my soul out of my body. Um, so I started a little blog and... Um, social media channels just to like talk about stuff that I was passionate about and see if anybody else wanted to listen and relate to it. And that's kind of how I started uh, everything. And that's how you found my little, my little TikTok thing. Um, but I totally agree with what you were saying before about like, once you hear so many stories or for me, like you see so many things, it's like, how can you deny it? You know? Yeah, for sure. And you work in the medical field, which I would imagine has a lot of you know, kind of a type grounded people. And I know one of your videos, I think it had like 8.5 million views was a story somebody else had told you about their experiences. Is that right? Yeah, that one was a story that had happened to me um, in one of my last jobs. I want to say it was like the one of the first hospitals that I ever worked at. And it wasn't my personal patient. It was my friend's patient, but I was helping her. And everyone kind of knew the story because it was kind of really sad what had happened and like the there was a really poor prognosis so everybody kind of talks about it behind the scenes um so then when what happened in the story happened everybody freaked out and um yeah I don't know why I felt compared to share to share that one like I don't know why I chose to share that there's so many stories in my head um, but a lot of people had a lot of opinions about it. A lot of people were like, this is proof of Jesus. And other people were like, were like, that's not true. That never happened. Can you walk our audience through that story? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try to make it short. Uh, no, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> we're so pressed for time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, know, I always feel that way. TikTok's, you know, 15 seconds to, or to a minute. Um, so I was helping one of my nurse friends bathe a patient in, and it was in ICU. Um, this person had, was young, less than, less than 30 and gotten a terrible accident and um, was just like in a coma. And from what all the other nurses had told me, cause it wasn't my patient, was that he was like, they had no brain activity and they were suggesting to the family like, can we donate his organs? Like he's so young and you kind of have to make a decision because he had already been in the ICU. They tried everything. It was like over a week. And so the doctors usually have to give like the family a time limit to say, Hey, if you don't want to like quote unquote, pull the plug, we need to move him to a different, you know, to a, like a long-term care facility. Cause this is an ICU bed and like really sick patients need it. And they gave him a deadline. They were like, you need to decide, are we going to pull the plug, harvest the organs, or are we going to like transfer him somewhere else? And the family was, they were from Haiti. I don't know what religion they were. I mean, I did, it wasn't my patient. So I didn't get like all their information, but they were doing like all sorts of like chanting and like ritual stuff in the room. Like 24 hours, they had people like just outside the doors of the ICU or like in the room, whenever they could be. It was a little bit eerie. Like, I don't know what it was. I want to say it was like some sort of like voodoo stuff. Cause it's nothing that I've, it wasn't, it didn't seem like, Catholicism or, you know, it was really interesting. And I was helping back to the beginning. I was helping this nurse bathe the patient and they had 
um, it was like the last day that they had to decide. And my friend who's a nurse always talks to the unconscious patients. Like they're totally with it. Like she'll tell them about her day. She'll be like, all right, so-and-so we're like rolling you over and we're giving you a bath. And she talks to them. And then she goes, I, what was the name I used in the video? I'll just say Connor. She goes, Connor, hold my hand or grab my hand, Connor, grab my hand. And she's, we know we're like washing him. And then his, he grabs her hand as she's like, cleaning his arms, he grabs her hand. And at first me and her froze and we were like, Oh, he's having some, like a little firing or something. Cause he was you know? completely unconscious, right? Unconscious, like declared, I mean, essentially brain dead. Like mm -hmm. we did multiple scans of his brain and EEGs and they all showed no brain activity. Wow. None. So yeah. So he grabs her hand. We get like chills up and down. Cause we're like, is this real? Is it just a fluke? You know, people do weird things when they're dying. Um, and then she just keeps That's talking comforting. to me. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, that's another story I have to tell you about somebody, the freakiest dying experience. And then, so she's like washing him and she's like, Connor, move your foot, Connor. And he starts to like do things. And throughout the day, like they scan him again and there's all of a sudden activity. And it was just the coolest thing. But eventually he was transferred out of the ICU because he was doing better. And then a couple months later, he came like walking in and I was working that day and my friend Francis was also working that day. And as soon as we saw him, we were like, what the, oh my gosh, it's Connor. It was wow. just freaky. Like somebody that we were bathing, essentially like you're dying. Like, you know, you're going to leave this, this spot to see that person like walking in. It was like seeing a ghost. It was crazy. It was, and was crazy. Kind of the controversy on TikTok, the fact that his family was kind of performing these rituals or prayers, I guess, was the belief that that is what brought him back? Yeah, that's what people were debating. You know, they were saying, oh, this is proof of God. They're praying to God. And I was like, listen, if you were there, I don't know. I, I don't know who they were praying to. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like anything like traditional evangelical or Catholicism. So that's where kind of the debates in the comments started to happen. And people, you know, with extreme views on other sides, it, no, not on the internet. To them too. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised people had opinions. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Has that ever happened before? Have you ever witnessed somebody be, you know, for all intents and purposes, like brain dead and then kind of come back like that? It's hard to say because dead is, is hard to just be like dead because you can not have a heartbeat. You can stop breathing, right. but it's kind of like for someone to be dead, they have to be like dead, dead. But I have seen people who totally lost their heartbeat uh, or stopped breathing and we coded them. And in my head, I'm like, they're gone. They're gone. Like we're going to make all the effort we can for hours. And the person came back. It's interesting how, like, even with like all our efforts, are we really in control? Like, I think it's when it's your time to go, you just go yeah. no matter what medicine tries to do. Yeah. Our, our last guest, or actually I guess before last, um, her name is Regina Hart. Her and her brother drowned in a pool and oh. her brother was, I want to say he stopped breathing for 18 minutes. And <gasps> she was out for 13 minutes and they both came out of it. And before that point, neither one of them had any 
you know, what is called like supernatural gifts. And then after that, she was able to communicate with the dead and (gasps) what I would call a medium. I don't know if she would agree with that, but that's kind of what it sounded like. And her brother, like he gets the future communicated to him through dreams. Shortly after that drowning, he asked his parents why they were moving. And they were like, what are you talking about? We're not moving. And then like a month later, his dad got transferred to another uh, state because of his job and they had to move. Uh, but anyway, we're not here for that episode, but just a, a quick <laughs> plug that just reminded me of that. And and I have like a real fear of death and it's, you know, I've, I've had conversations with loved ones about like, you know, if something ever happened to you, what would you want to do? And I'm like, you leave that cord in until the electricity goes out. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just play it out and see how it goes. Sarah, what about you? Would you want the cord left in? No, no. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I'd be okay with them pulling it. I mean, you know, maybe a little effort, but I I don't know if you had a chance to talk to Connor or not, but like, just, did he have any memories from his time in the ICU? Was he aware of anything? I don't know. I don't know. I only got to see him for a couple minutes because he came like in the middle of our shift. But yeah, that would be a super interesting thing to ask him. I know a lot of people that have, you know, like almost crossed over and they, you know, have some stories to tell. It wasn't like somebody just shut the lights off and then they turned them back on. Yeah. Well, because it feels like he knew that she was talking to him when he was brain dead. So I'm like, man, was he hearing everything? Yeah, probably. That's so scary. It is. uh, My mom actually had sinus surgery like years and years ago. And she told me after the surgery, she was put under, but she could hear everything throughout the entire (gasps) surgery. She said it was horrifying. Like she could just hear everybody talking, doing the work. She couldn't feel anything. But she couldn't respond, obviously, because she was under. And apparently, you know, there's like some percentage of society that that just happens to sometimes. Yeah. And we don't really know why. Like anesthesiologists, they put people under and we sort of guess on like dosages and things like that based on weight and and uh, age and things like that. But we still don't really understand how anesthesia works. We just found something that kind of works but we have no idea how it works in the body we know how it's metabolized out but we we can scan the brain on anesthesia and not and we still don't really understand how it works (laughs) oh man that just um and i'm sure the audience is like okay no enough down memory lane but um i have a son (laughs) uh, a baby and when he was born it was by c-section and they told me you know they keep you out of the room for a certain period of time yeah. And then they tell you, you can come in. And so I was out there and I've been out there, been out there, been out there. Then I saw the anesthesiologist go in with his. Um, yeah, relation. like a resident. Or yeah, a residency. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I thought to myself, I was like, well, that kid looks really young, but whatever. You know, <laughs> you got a lot going on that day. And I've been out there for so long. I had had a bunch of coffee that morning and I had to go pee. And so I finally, somebody came out and I was like, hey, can I go pee real quick? And they're like, yeah, 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 you got plenty of time. I was like, cool. So go and pee, come back. And they're like, come on, come on, you got to go and you got to get in there. And I'm like, ah, and I'm like, okay. So I put the mask on, I go in and I see like blood on the floor, which is probably normal, I guess, in a C-section, but I'm a little faint of that kind of stuff. So I was feeling like lightheaded already. And then I oh, no. look at my wife and she's like completely out of it. And then everything went fine. But after the <laughs> fact, she tells me that like they had issues with the anesthesia or anesthesia, anesthesia, anesthesia. 
Anesthesia? Yeah, anesthesia. Anesthesia. For some reason, my brain wants to say Anastasia, and I know that it's not what it's called. <gasps> That's how it's spelled. <laughs> <laughs> but they had issues with it, and like uh, her blood pressure went way, 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 way down. And oh, no. Like, to like a scary point. And I was like, who did it? And she was like, the really young guy. And I was like, God <laughs> damn it. That's training on people. You know what? Maybe you're psychic, dude. Well, Maybe you're psychic. And you noticed him, and you like had a a clairvoyant feeling inside of you maybe you have powers that you're denying i don't need any powers (laughs) please sadly you're not the first (laughs) guest like mediums have come on and they've been like you've got the gift and i'm like get out of here Uh oh allow me to confirm i'm not a anything but (laughs) i know you have a lot of stories so you had that one which is super interesting for sure and i hate to just jump right to my favorite of the ones I saw on your TikTok. But can you tell us about the one that had something happen to the bed? Oh, yes. Okay. This one, oh, I wish someone was like closer. Oh, my friend Kendra was like just across from me. And I walked over and I was like, did you see that? She was like, what? No, like I'm busy. And I was like, oh my gosh, I wish. Okay. This is incredible. This is like one of the most like for sure. And you have a picture of this stuff. one too, right? Oh, I was talking about a different one. Oh, well, no, you go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking about this one lady who didn't want to go get a cardiac cath. And she kept saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And I was like, no, it's a very simple procedure. And she ended up dying. And the second they called the code blue overhead, her bed in the room moved. I'm telling you, it moved two feet. And hospital beds have locks. We lock the wheels so that they don't move. And this locked bed moved two feet. And the EKG leads and all the monitor like cords were like swinging back and forth. It was crazy. And it was the second that they called the code blue in cath lab. The second she had passed. What do you do? Like, how did you feel after that? After somebody telling you like, hey, I'm going to die. And you're like, you'll be fine. And then they die. Like, how do you mentally process something like that? A lot of people say that. A lot of people (laughs) say that. Like, before someone passes out, like if someone's getting lightheaded or like if someone's blood pressure drops, they're like, I'm going to die. And you're like, no, 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 you're not going to die. So I hear I'm going to die. I've heard that so many times, especially when I worked in the ER. I think it's just like a fear response. You know, statistically, just some of them will die, I guess. Well, and also, it seems way worse for them to say, I'm going to die, and for you to be like, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't seem right. I can't do that. Like, statistically, (laughs) you might. (laughs) No, I would never do that. I don't know. I'll never lie, but I'll always tell them, like, we'll do our best. We'll do our best. I would hate that. But yeah, that lady, it's like she knew, she felt it. And she had never had any procedure done before and she didn't have like any medical knowledge. So I thought she was just scared of having a procedure. And she was like, I can't do it. I'm too scared. I'm not going to do it. And then we all like convinced her, oh, it's a very simple procedure. And we need to check your vessels around your heart because some of them are clotted and, and you might need stents and we convinced her to do it and then she died. She knew it. Did she die from the procedure or did she die? Like, were there other things going on in her body that like caused her? No, I didn't know the aftermath, but she probably, maybe she had a clot that moved or something, but she went into cardiac arrest and just passed on the cath lab table. Do you think she was just like super angry and that's why the bed was moving and the wires were all moving around a little bit i think she like her soul left her body and she was like mother i told them 
I told them. And then she like stomped back up to her room on my floor and she like pushed the bed. She was like, ah, you see, I hope you saw that. <laughs> I mean, I would think if there's anywhere that has hauntings, it would be like the ER, ICU, like hospice, like all those areas just cat would say the energies she's real big into like energies of ghosts and people and things of that nature but if, if that is a real <laughs> thing if we do kind of pass energy out from when we die you would have to imagine that somebody somewhere like a hospital would be full of that oh absolutely any i it would be i would be hard pressed to find a night shift nurse that does not believe in the paranormal a little bit really? there's just things that you see on night shift that are like just undeniable like and even from patients, I've had patients tell me before, can you get that guy out of my room? And I look in the corner and there's nobody. And I'm like, sure, sure. Come with me, sir. And I know you had, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of skipping around on some of your stories, but you have a hospice story as well, right? Yes. Okay. So this one did not really happen to me, but one of my favorite hospice nurses told me this story and she had had been a hospice nurse for like a bajillion years. So I asked her like, tell me your scariest story because I was working night shift and I was bored. Um, and so <laughs> I told her it's the middle of the night. You should tell me a scary story. She told me about this one patient that she had who had just really lived like a very negative, terrible life, inflicting pain and violence on other people. And um, he didn't have any family or anyone, but he was in the hospice care center so she stayed with him like 24 hours and he was about to pass. So he, when you die, you do a certain type of breathing. And then he did like a short one and she knew like, okay, this is the end. You know, you can, you just kind of can tell. So she's like watching him and watching his chest. And this guy had been like comatose the entire time. This guy sits straight up in his bed, like straight up from the pillow with his eyes huge, wide, like. You can see all of the white. And then he just screams at the top of his lungs, like echoed in the room and then laid back down, like really hard on the bed and then just died. Like, what is that? Why, yeah, why? what is that? There's a lot of like pent up anger. Like, did he have unfulfilled dreams and he just realized them in that moment? Like, why? I don't know. I mean, he had lived like a really, from what she told me, a very like negative life, inflicting pain on others and just really, really convicted of very violent crimes. And and she believed he saw hell and then died. Had a foot in hell. Well, that's a that's an interesting thought. I mean, you have witnessed people die, uh, you know, albeit in a hospital setting, at least as far as we know. Does that, I mean, you, you don't have to go into, um, you know, uh, how religious you are or not. I mean, if you want to, you certainly can. But does witnessing those things make you more or less religious in your beliefs? I think, I don't know about religious, because when I think about religious, I feel like it's like people practicing and like a group of people, but it definitely makes me believe in an afterlife. Like, I, I definitely believe there's something after this. Well, for, for sure. Guy, I've just seen it. I've seen know. it just too many times. And like the things that people say before they die, that they, yeah. they see family. And from what I've seen, it seems like a very like peaceful process and kind of, kind of great. One of our early episodes, uh, Teresa, the medium is one of Kat's friends and she had worked 
can't remember if she worked at a hospice, but some kind of hospital setting where people had passed away. It may have been a hospice. And she said, um, now granted, she can see spirits, but she said that people would often tell her about the family members that were in the room with them. And that sometimes they would pass messages along to uh, them and then they would pass it on to her to give to somebody else. And then that other person would verify, you know, whatever the message was that this family member from the beyond had passed. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it is. And that's what uh, she was, you know, trying to say like, hey, don't be afraid of death because, you know, look, we've got this kind of, I put in air quotes, but proof that, you know, there's something else out there. And it seems to be like you were saying, you know, potentially peaceful and nice, but, you know, we've also had people come on our podcast and talk about like bird demons in their yard and, and really weird things. So (laughs) there seems to be some duality there about just how peaceful (laughs) the other side is. (gasps) That's creepy. Well, many, maybe there's many other sides. Maybe, you know, maybe there's like a dark realm and a, I will say I am now granted I have been feeling more anxiety lately just my sleep schedule is like really off and having a baby and trying to balance uh, just work life and things like that I think like ups my anxiety a little bit and then my dreams get a little crazy but I had a dream the other night where um, real hauntings had made it like really big like my wildest dreams like you know yeah like millions and millions and millions of downloads, whatever, you know? And so we were, my dream's always been for us to be able to tour this podcast. So we had been out and did a tour and a show or whatever. And I was back in my bed in the dream and the covers like moved themselves up the bed and onto my throat and started to push down like really hard. And so in the dream, I was trying to, you know, get out of it or whatever, and I couldn't. And then I told myself in the dream, I was like, have to, because we hear this from so many people on our podcast. I was like, I have to take control of this, this situation and tell it no. And so I screamed no in the dream so loud that I screamed no in real life and woke myself <gasps> up and immediately threw the covers off and got out of bed. I was like, I'm just done sleeping for it. <laughs> I'm done sleeping. <laughs> but, That's you know. crazy. You know how rare it is to like lucid dream? That's incredible. Yeah, it happens sometimes to me, but I think it's just because I remember most, or at least, you know, like the ends of my dreams that I just remember the lucid dreams too more often. But I've probably had like 10 or so lucid dreams. Um, but yeah. Wow, anyway, dude, your brain is so cool because like uh, so many people try to do that and they can't. You're totally psychic. I hate that when you said your brain is so cool. Sarah, before she could even get her comment out, started shaking her head and moving her mouth. Well, and your smile's so big right now. (laughs) You're You're so proud of that. I don't think my brain's cool. I I don't know. I've got a weird brain. I wish I could lucid dream. I think about that all the time. It's pretty cool. Like uh, I used to have a VR headset and I used to use it a lot. I don't get to use it as much anymore, but... When I was using it a lot, I would dream uh, or I would have, I'd go to sleep and dream. And in the dream, weird stuff, you know, would start happening. And I would tell myself, oh, I'm in VR. And then I would just do whatever I wanted to do for like, you know, the next whatever parts of the dream. And that was pretty cool. Although one time in the dream, I looked down and my hands were like, like pixelated, like in a, in a game or something. And that freaked yeah. me the fuck out. I immediately woke up. So, okay. Can you tell us the story, the one that you have a picture about on TikTok? I don't want to spoil the ending. Oh, can you yes. Okay. So of course it was night shift. Of course I worked both shifts, but all this stuff happens on night shift. The, 
the hospital was like at full capacity full capacity like every room is full every room in the er is full and they're just like patients back and forth whoever they can discharge like oh we're gonna discharge you in the morning no you're getting discharged now at like one in the morning like we need the beds so we i discharge a patient and then i'm like all right i'm getting one from the er but then we didn't have like a functioning bed like there was something wrong with the other bed so maintenance took that one and we didn't have any hospital beds and they were like oh yeah you have to go to the other building to the storage room and i'm like oh at two in the morning i'm gonna go to the storage room in this other building let me take somebody with me so i take a tech with me and we walk all the way over there and they dim the lights in the hospital. So probably only like 25% of the lights are on. So it's a little dark, a little eerie. And we start to feel like a little creeped out. There's no one in the hallways, like no one. I'm like, oh, have like a weird feeling tonight. I feel like it's like, I don't know, there's something following us. So we get to the storage room and there's nobody there to like check in equipment and stuff like that. And I'm like, ah, let's just look, there's one bed over there let's just like uh, make the bed and just take it upstairs really quick. And we'll leave them like a little note or something. So we make the bed and we have to, you know, hospital beds, everything's like tight. It's a certain way to do it. And then we start pushing it back. So I'm pulling it and she's pushing it. And uh, we're going down this long hallway and it goes like over like a street and alleyway. So it's like almost like a glass hallway in between the, the buildings of the hospital. And it only has a couple lights. And as we're getting kind of like to the middle of this long hallway walkway, all the lights shut off at the same time. Mm. And then they flip back on. And then Sarah, the tech behind me, screams. And then I just like scream out of like reaction. And I turn around and I'm like, what? What? The lights are on. Like, what's your problem? And she's pointing to the center of the bed. And she won't talk. I'm like, what is what? Sarah, what? Like she's pointing to the center of the bed and there's this giant footprint, like a man's dress shoe footprint, only one, not like two feet, just one foot in the middle of the bed. And it's like pushed down in there. And I'm like, Whoa. yeah. And you have a picture of that bed on your TikTok and maybe on your Instagram too. I'm not sure. Yes, but I had to take a picture because I was like, no one's going to believe us. No one is going to believe us. Is it a very clear like footprint? Yeah. It oh, is. It looks exact. It's a man's shoe. I don't yeah. know what size, but it was a man's Like a size 11, shoe. probably. No, I have to. <laughs> mm. Give or take, but it definitely wasn't there before. And we had made the bed all pristine and perfect. And as soon as those lights flashed, there's this deep footprint in there. It was weird. Wow. What did uh, like your coworkers and stuff say when you told them about that? They did not believe us. They, they thought you guys just took the time to put a foot, one footprint in yeah. the middle of the bed. You found an 11 size shoe. <laughs> <laughs> just one. Yeah. yeah. They, they kind of just like laughed it off and we were just so busy that we kind of kept going. And it wasn't until later that I thought back and I was like, man, I'm so glad I got a picture of that. Wasn't that crazy? Yeah, I mean, to me, I was surprised that that's not the story that has like 9 million views on TikTok because that's that's one of the most like uh, supernatural proof stories we've heard where somebody has a picture that you yes. know seems real. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Have you been what? in that sense? No. <laughs> I'll like do anything. I'll buy anyone lunch. Like if I need something <laughs> from the other building at night, no. Have you heard of anybody else saying they've had any experiences in that building? 
Oh yeah. I mean like all the time, all the time. There is a lady who had passed there and she wore like these like floral like nightgowns, like really brightly colored floral nightgowns um, that the old Spanish ladies wear like my grandma. And um, she had passed in like really like weird circumstances, like a strange complication right after a procedure. Um, and all the other patients in that like section of our department talked about, there's this lady that comes in my room at night and she just comes in, she walks in, she touches my stuff and then she walks out. And they would all describe this bright floral nightgown and a short little Hispanic woman. Like multiple patients talked about that. Okay, how are you only an eight on the scale? It seems like you've had a lot of supernatural stuff happen. I mean, because some of the stuff that I see, I'm like, I don't know. I think they're faking it. But then the stuff that happens to me, I'm like, yeah, it happened to me. It's totally believable. (laughs) Is the footprint in the bed, is that the most supernatural thing you've had happen, like kind of right in front of you? Yeah, yeah, with like proof, yeah. I feel like there's some things that happen, especially like on a busy day or a busy shift or something that happens that you sort of like second guess and you file away in your brain. You're like, I didn't really see that. And then you file it away. And then like a year later, you're like, oh yeah, remember that? I think every nurse is going to have like a whole Rolodex of just these unexplained stories. Yeah. I feel like especially working like an overnight shift too, it's just. I don't know what it is. Like like overnight especially like two three in the morning there's just some freaky stuff that happens that you just can't explain and you're like I don't know maybe the whole world isn't physical maybe there's a spiritual side now have you always felt safe during these supernatural experiences or has there been any times oh yeah 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 I never felt anything like threatening like the energy threatening I have uh, had a patient pass away and as we're doing like the post-mortem care and stuff like that, getting them ready um, for like the funeral home, like I felt like really negative energy. There's been like one or two where we're kind of doing the care and I'm like, oh, I feel this like, like not happiness in the air, just something different and negative, Um, but otherwise very positive. What do you think it is that makes you so comfortable around death? Or are you comfortable around death? I mean, it seems like you're around it a good bit. Yeah, it, I'm comfortable with it. It's just if you see it so many times and you're like, oh, it's not that bad. And it's actually kind of like beautiful and nice. People's last few moments are usually really, they seem like so much happier. <laughs> and like at peace, like people that are like grimaced, they're just like, oh. They seem like so, like kind of like a like hippies that like take a bunch of acid and stuff, and they're just like, ah, oh, everything's wonderful. Like that's what they seem like right before they die. Yeah, I so think, I feel comfortable around it because I don't fear it. And I want to say your brain releases like a big dopamine drop or something uh, on our way out to try to ease the ease the burden. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. It does that right after birth too. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. You get like a whole rush of like beautiful, happy hormones and stuff. It is like I had heard um, prior to my son being born that, that, you know, like when you see your son or you hear your or when you hear see your baby or hear your baby for the first time, your body releases like all these chemicals. So where you kind of like 
instantly, you know, fall in love and want to take care of the baby. I did not realize like, I mean, it hits you over the head. Like you hear that first cry and it's just like, you're immediately just like, this is my baby. <laughs> this is my child. Yeah. It's super cool. It's super fantastic to like make another little life, but it's kind of the same feelings when people like go to the other side, like when they die, it's kind of like this, like, ah, oh, new beginning. I feel like you and every serial killer has always said that throughout the <laughs> Oh, that's the first time anyone has ever said that to me. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of um, the show, the, the Killing, I think that was on AMC. I feel like during the pandemic, I'm just watching like every TV show I never got to watch. And so like, I feel like I've done nothing but watch procedural drama for like the past four weeks. So sorry, that's kind of where my head went when I heard you say that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Meg, before we get you out of here, I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find all your awesome content. I will say that your page, while it is not only spooky stuff, it is full of fun humor. I think it's especially if you work in the medical field. I don't work in the medical field, um, but somebody I dated for a long time did, and she was an ER nurse. So I can certainly relate to a lot of the humor and stuff on there. So where can they find your content? So I have a website, megforit.com, M-E-G-F-O-R-I-T. And then on Instagram and TikTok and all those YouTube and all those little platforms, um, just search for me by searching Meg for it and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, Meg, did you have any other stories or anything else you wanted to get out to our audience before we get you out of here? Oh man, there's so many that like my brain is always full. I do have a cool story that one of my nursing professors told me there was a hospital it's you know I think in Virginia and they had remodeled the old old hospital uh, from like way before like Civil War times um, they remodeled it to uh, change the floors so they um, added floors and changed ceilings and things and um, patients and nurses started noticing ghosts but they wouldn't see the whole ghost they would just see like their head floating on the floor because they had changed the levels. Wait. Oh my God. <laughs> Hold on. I had... You're telling me that like old buildings are what ghosts live in. So like shells of, there are ghost buildings is what you're saying. That's what I am communicating. That someone else communicated to me. That's... That ghosts will honor the original architecture. Okay, I now believe in ghosts. That's the most amazing <laughs> thing I've ever heard. That definitely sounds like some Beetlejuice shit. Like I could see that happening yes. in Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, oh, absolutely. That's but that's ever. it. That is that is it. That's my my scary stories for the day. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing those stories. That was a lot of fun. Um, there are times when we try to have back on old guests uh, for fun stuff. And I know one thing we're going to try to do, I don't know if we've decided we're going to try to do it over Zoom or if we're going to wait until the pandemic's over and try to do it in person. But Meg, I think you would be a good candidate. At some point, we're going to try to do a seance, a real haunting seance. So I don't know if that's something you'd be game for, but you know, just just think about it. Maybe... <laughs> We can oh, have I will think that. about it. <laughs> like, I will think about it and pass on it. <laughs> Let me lose this number. <laughs> Just nothing too scary. <laughs> well, at some point, we're going to have the director on uh, for the movie Host. 
which uh, is now on all platforms uh, to be, you can rent the movie. His movie host is like a 98% on Rotten Tomato, I want to say, and it came out early 2020 and it's about a seance being done over zoom and they actually shot it over zoom and it is like freaky as fuck so that's kind of what i want to eventually when we do get to interview him we've been going back and forth he's in the uk so it's kind of hard to work out a time but i want to work it out to where we can release our seance along with the episode of interviewing him that would be so cool yeah so are spirits like like wi-fi ready I'd yeah. like to go through the <laughs> look we asked that we just had a medium on in our last episode uh, her name is crystal and kat had asked her like you know so do you do your stuff over zoom now with the pandemic and she was like oh yeah the spirit doesn't care it can communicate as as, through as long as it's the original wi-fi of the location then they'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely that civil war wi-fi then things yeah. <laughs> All right, Meg, well, we will get you out of here, guys. Make sure you check out Meg at Meg for it uh, on all her platforms. I definitely recommend it. I enjoyed going through her TikTok. And uh, yeah, we were super happy to have you on. Very entertaining. And hope you have a good rest of your week. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome being on here. Okay, Sarah, are you now going to shift life decisions and go work in the ER so we can see all these spooky occurrences? No, I... I, I want to work in ghost architecture is what I actually want to work in. I just, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And yeah, I noticed you really took to that. What was it about that part of the story that got you so much? It Well, I mean, it's like thinking about all the layers of ghost buildings on top of our real buildings. I, I don't know. I just, that's such a cool visual. It just made me sad thinking there was ghosts walking around with their heads sticking out of like floorboards and stuff. Well, I guess they don't know that. They're still walking on a floor and like in their little ghost office. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's almost like they're in a different dimension that's bleeding through from their past life into our life. Right. Yeah. I love hearing those stories because I feel like we can all, we all know what a hospital is. We all probably know people that have worked in the ER, you know, been to the ER at some point. So it's a pretty easy starting point to relate to. I feel like some of the stories we get sometimes on the podcast are like, I hate to say far out there, but it's not necessarily things that we can all relate to. And this episode was just jam packed with hospital stories, which are so, you know, in the supernatural world, they're kind of fun and eerie. I mean, that foot story is so freaky to me. That's a weird one too, especially because there weren't any patients around. There weren't any you know, a lot of times it seemed like her stories had to do with like the energy of the patient who was dying. But I mean, this was just two healthy people in a hallway. And you're a writer. I, How much did you appreciate the narration of that story with the tech behind her screaming and her turning around yeah. being like, what, what? And then looking yeah. down and her screaming too. Like, how great was that? Yeah, I know. And I immediately was just like, man, what was he escaping from? What's, oh, yeah. What like weird hospital situation was he running away from? You know, some people have a phobia of like doctors and stuff. I used to be kind of bad about that. I think now that I've gotten older, I've just accepted that that's part of life that we kind of have to go to doctors. Do hospitals freak you out? Or are you cool with, you know, getting stuff taken care of? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have an issue being in a hospital, I guess. Like, I don't have an issue waiting. I've waited for people in hospitals before, you know, for them to get surgeries done. And I've, I've had a few surgeries myself. It does. I, it doesn't bother me, but none of them for me personally were like life or death. So it didn't feel. Does it bring you any more comfort hearing her talk about things that could 
potentially validate that there is an afterlife? Maybe, but then I wonder, you know, like, does that, my whole, my thing with afterlives are, you know, are those forever? Because I think that would get boring. That would be my biggest fear of any afterlife. Even, a, even if there's like the version is heaven and hell, I mean, for eternity, eventually, unless your memory is wiped every day in hell, like you're going to even get bored <laughs> with hell. So uh, that's more of like, if there is an afterlife, I hope that that also has an expiration date. And then another level of afterlife that we're worried about. You think on like year 666, just everything rewinds and you have to start all over again in hell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't think so much about the boring aspect because I feel like I can find interest in just about anything. You know, if there's people around, I can drum up some kind of conversation that will entertain myself. I do fear a lot more that there's just nothing and that you know which which in my and this is just my opinion that if i was a gambling man i would say the statistics lean more towards that than anything what's your fear that you you don't remember any like that you don't have anything anymore because i mean if it's over it's over i know and you wouldn't know so i mean I, i you know i know that's the thing it's like it's over it's over but i think it's just the fear of just missing out and you know there's so much more life to live i mean I've heard interviews with people who are in their late nineties who are just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not ready to die. Like you hear of all these, you know, story people that do accept it. And I think a lot of times that has to do with religion, but not necessarily so, but I just, there's just always stuff to take in and see. And, you know, now granted 2020 has been pretty rough and today is January the 6th when we're recording this and today has been a pretty strange day uh, in our history. starting off weird. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, but things won't always be like this and things will get back to some sense of normal eventually. And I don't know, I think I'm just at a point in my life where there's so much I want to do out there that the thought of that being gone is kind of creepy to me. And that's why I enjoy this podcast so much because it does feed into that a little bit to me of like, well, if, if they're telling the truth and these are real experiences, then at the very worst, I can get stuck in some purgatory and on earth where I just repeat the same sequence of events every day. Or you could get stuck in a purgatory where there's apparently no stimulus around you, which is what you need to find something interesting. So there's no people to talk to and nothing to do every day. Which that that does, that would be like its own special kind of hell. Yeah. Yeah. That seems worse than just there being nothing. Yeah, I guess so. So out of those stories, what did you find the most convincing or like, which one would you have wanted to experience? I mean, uh, certainly the shoe was the most convincing because I mean, they, she specifically said they made the bed. So it wasn't even like they just didn't notice it and they were started wheeling this bed. I mean, they intentionally made the bed um, and there were two of them. And, you know, I mean, it just seems like very evidence heavy. So I think that one was definitely the most convincing. The one I would love to see would be the hospice nurse one where the guy just like sat up and screamed because not many people see that side of human life. It would just be fascinating to see someone die like that. It was the uh, polar opposite of what she said she had experienced, which was seeing death be like this graceful experience where people seem to have a real sense of peace as they moved on. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. this guy who I think she said had um, had some history with breaking the law and had not been good to people, maybe had a foot in hell. And 
I mean, or maybe that's what's relaxing to him. Maybe that is his piece is just screaming bloody murder, murder one more time. Bloody murder. <laughs> bloody murder. <laughs> bloody murder. Well, it's interesting. The concept of like shared hallucinations is interesting because I know my dad was recently in the hospital for a while and he um, talked to one of his doctors. He was in the ICU for two weeks and he talked to one of his doctors about about this shared hallucination that they all have of bugs flying around the room and crawling up the walls. And the doctor was like, yeah, that is something that all of my patients tell me. Now, is that coming out of anesthesia or like what when is that typically experienced? No, he was well out of, he wasn't, this was like a week uh, after his surgery. He just sort of went into, they call it delirium. So I think because he was in the ICU and he didn't know night and day and um, he, he had some pretty serious complications and he almost died a few times. So I think just the shock of the body, I mean, he wasn't eating, he couldn't eat food. So he just had fluids being pumped in and he just, I think had no normal sense of grounding. And so he started hallucinating things, which is apparently a pretty shared and common thing. And didn't you tell me that he saw like civil war ghost or something? He said, yeah, he said uh, he saw colonial people dancing. Um, <laughs> he didn't know them. He didn't recognize them. They weren't meaningful to him, but they were in colonial attire and they were dancing. Uh, and they now, visited him a few times, apparently. Now, was your dad a believer in ghost prior to these experiences? Um, it probably depends on what day you ask him. I mean, I don't think he would say that he was a diehard believer in ghosts. I would say he's actually, it's interesting. He's had a couple like near death experiences when he was really, when he was uh, 19, he was in a garage that exploded um, and he like caught on fire and was ended up having to be in the hospital for a few weeks. Um, actually, I think it was like closer to two months. I don't know. I wasn't alive, uh, but I know that he had some experiences then too and but he's but, but every time like in the hospital like when he was coding and then also when that first happened right before he passed out in the garage when he was like literally on fire cuz he would he tried to roll around to catch off fire but there was Stop, drop, guess, and roll. yeah yeah but there was like so much gas in the air uh, cuz he was in a garage working on a car that he like kept reigniting oh my gosh um and he said both times it was very very peaceful so very similar to what she was saying of wow. of like right before that moment there's just like this piece. So he thought he was going to die when he was on fire. Yeah. And, and he says he remembers even from the beginning, like from the beginning of the explosion, he was like, I, it was always peaceful. Like I was never panicking. I just kind of accepted where I was. And you think that's where you get your fighting spirit from your dad? Uh, I don't know. I've never been caught on fire. So I don't think I quite have the same fighting spirit, but um, yeah, I mean, he definitely, you know, he has that mentality. But he had not seen ghosts prior to this previous experience in the hospital, though, right? That was the first time or no? Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to ask him. Because I know uh, he wanted to come on the podcast and you won't let him. So No, definitely not coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, you know, he's, he's a very in the moment guy. And he'll believe in things like he'll, he'll believe in things if, if, if he feels them more than sees them. So I, I, yeah. Because I would say like you're you're pretty grounded because you don't you don't really I, I know you're you know you you find it interesting to hear these stories and even like the stories your dad tells and stuff but you probably lean more on like well it's either just an illusion or they're they think they're seeing something or they're not or right you you tend to think it's not yeah. an actual spirit from the beyond right 
Yeah, I mean, well, that and that's what his doctor was telling us, you know, so because it was COVID, none of us could even be in the hospital. So the doctor would call and one of the days they called and they're like, you know, so he's experiencing delirium. This is a common thing that they experience in the ICU. And she even was like telling um, my mom at the time, she was like, yeah, he's pretty funny. He's like making jokes about it. So, you know, so, I mean, I think even he had some awareness of like, this isn't real what I'm seeing. But then there were other times when he, uh, this was like a little more serious, I guess, but he told me there were times where we were in the room with him and he was talking to us and he was like telling us things that he wanted us to hear. And he really thought we were there. And I think that must've been a weird uh, feeling for him when he had those moments of clarity where he was like, oh, they're not here. <laughs> Eventually you have to deal with your reality, whether you, you know, you can try and fight it as much as you want. Well, but do you? I don't know. Is that... Yeah, eventually you're gonna die. Noah. And it sounds like the solution is just to be around death. But yeah, I think, I think doing those types of things help us. You know, there are probably things uh, when he went in for a surgery, we knew it was high risk, but we didn't yeah. think he, he would be in the position that he was in after the surgery. So I think there were things he probably wished he could have said, and he found a way to like live those out, even if it wasn't necessarily real so that he could find That's some interesting. Yeah. But he's doing better now, right? He is. Yeah, he's home yeah. and he's recovering. So Awesome. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, audience, if you would like to hear Sarah's dad come on and tell his ghost stories, make sure to email us. I'll be sure to forward those on to Sarah so she can read them and pass them on to her dad. Or maybe I'll just send them right to her dad because I know he wants to already come yeah. on anyway. <laughs> so with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Sarah Stevens. Please, please do it again. I thought you had one more line. I was so excited. I knew I was going to nail it this time too. All right. I'm Noah Daniels. And I'm Sarah Stevens. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.